0: This is the MDT podcast,
1: a podcast for all healthcare professionals working with older adults. We are a multidisciplinary team educating about ageing. MDT.
2: The MDT is brought to you by the Hearing Aid podcast team. We focus on a different topic each week to work with you to enhance your knowledge to help you look after older people. Hello and welcome to this episode of the MDT podcast. I am Jo Preston and I am a geriatrician in South London.
1: And I'm Ian Wilkinson, I'm a geriatrician in Surrey.
2: I'm Alice O'Connor and I'm a teaching fellow in Surrey. I'm Tracy
3: CK, I'm a lecturer in occupational therapy at University of Brighton.
1: And today
2: we're going to be talking about age-friendly housing adaptations.
1: We're going to have a think about what home adaptations are available for older people, have a think about the role of the occupational therapist and other professionals in the provision of these home adaptations and have a think about some of the financial support uh, in order to get these adaptations done and how we can all support older people to access this sort of appropriate and really important advice and information and services. But first, we're going to have a dip into social media and stuff that uh, we have noticed uh, over the last week.
0: So Alice, you've found something? Yeah. I saw that the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy has made a short film called The Right to Rehab. It's about five minutes long. It's available on their website. And it's almost like a sliding doors kind of idea of a patient who is in hospital with a stroke who did get rehab and one who didn't, but it's the same patient, mm. um, but what might have happened to her had she not. And I had a quick look at it earlier. It's it's all right. Nice. It's pretty good. But right. I think the message is probably more interesting than the sort of, it's not Hollywood quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should say that. So there'll be a link to that in the
2: show notes and we'll tweet yes. about it on our uh, Twitter as well.
1: I just wanted to nip in something some as well, actually. Um, I was was on Twitter today and I had a little conversation with Cameron, who is a geriatrician over in Wrexham in Wales. And Cameron and I have met up at a couple of conferences and had a few conversations. And what he was saying is that they use this podcast as part of their journal club. And it's part of their educational program for all the junior doctors. Yes. They all listen to the journal club that, that or listen to the episode and partake in the journal club ab- about it. Um, when they rotate through the care of the LD departments in Wrexham. Great. So we thought that was really cool. So we just say, hello, Wrexham. Fab.
2: Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank Fab. you. Right, let's get back to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about home adaptations and equipment.
0: And if we start with a definition, a practical definition relating to this might be that home adaptations are changes that can be made to the home, um, which make it safer and easier to move around and do everyday tasks. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah, and equipment is equipment
1: and uh, local councils offer a service that assesses a home and then makes recommendations for people to help and this is uh, home assessment is free currently in the UK and these changes can be quite small or really quite big things
2: So things like uh, quite a big thing would be fitting a stairlift or a smaller thing would be fitting a stair rail on the
0: stairs. So different ways of adapting the staircase. Likewise, bath lifts, walk-in showers um, or those rails that you hold to pull yourself out of the bath.
3: And we can have something like widening doorways or it can be something small like lowering kitchen worktops.
2: Um, that doesn't sound that small. No. So I <laughs> thought it was going to say taps. So I'm very yeah. sorry.
1: <laughs> and, so, yeah, um,
2: sorry, work tops, not taps. Yeah.
1: tops. Tops. And also, then things outside as well, like putting in an outdoor ramp or rails next to the house or outside lights, intercom systems, stuff like that.
2: So we've got Tracy here with us in the studio today. So we th- what we thought we might do is to do a bit of a Q&A around some of the things that people might need help with at home and what might be possible equipment that might make everyday tasks easier. So um, going to the toilet, actually quite a complicated task or can be.
3: So a, quite a common piece of equipment is to use, a, install a commode, especially if people are having difficulty going upstairs. You can have a commode um, downstairs or you can have one near to the bed. A push button to flush the toilet rather than um, uh, handles. Mm-hmm. And raised toilet seat and surround frames. They're very, very common.
1: And they, they're able to help people when they rise up after using the toilet with, because the seat is higher, it's less of a distance.
3: Yes, it's measured appropriately so that they can um, they don't have to sit on a low loo.
2: As an aside, has anyone watched Frankie and Grace, Gracie and Frankie, Grace and Frankie? It's a TV show on Netflix um, about two uh, women who retire and their husbands uh, leave each other, leave them for each other after mm. like being married for 40 years, and they start a business. And one of the businesses they start is a, the rise up toilet seat that they have difficulty getting um, investment in to help you stand up off of the toilet.
0: I like the term rise up it sounds yeah. very sort of political. Yeah. <laughs> my my favorite
3: t- toilet adaptation um, is the Japanese version with which uh-huh. washes you and dries. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's not they're just the,
2: standard use in Japan. Aren't it's
3: they? not the cheaper end but they do use them here. Back on track I guess.
0: <laughs> what about using the bathroom in other ways?
3: Well, the very basic uh, pieces of equipment are non-slip mats for the bath or the shower. And again, we can have rails for the bath or the shower to get pe- to steady yourself getting in and out of the bath. Um, the shower seats um, uh, can be flapped down or freestanding. And just simple things like easy to turn um, handles for taps, really
2: the, the lever taps.
1: And if we come out of the bathroom um, into the kitchen, sort of cooking and eating,
2: Sometimes straight away, sometimes via a
0: corridor. Always wash your hands. Yeah, always wash your always hands. Wash your hands.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think kettle
3: tippers at a, the moment. Kettle tippers are very popular because um, they save people having to mm-hmm. lift kettles. My favourite piece of equipment is like a chip basket actually, and you boil your vegetables in this chip basket and you lift it up mm-hmm. without ah, lifting really the good. water. I t- always tell the students about
2: that. Why don't we all do that? Mm. I know,
3: indeed. Um, Knives and forks have, yeah, de- de- uh, specially mm-hmm. built up handles to uh, um, make it easier to grip um similarly with jugs and you can have you know cups with two handles um, and you can have um graters and things with, with different forms of handles depending on your grip strength um, i mean you normally after the bathroom you're, is, the bathrooms n- normally near the bedroom, so when you're in the bedroom you need to be able to raise the bed yep. yeah. And as you do with chairs to help people transfer on and off. Um, but you can have recliners to help people under their pillows, and you can have um, bed rails. Mm-hmm. And leg lifters are really good. Um, they're very How effective. Do they work? Pe- people can put the, the loop on their foot. and. Okay, they're... so they can use it
2: themselves as yes. well as somebody else helping.
3: Yes, really, really effective. That's great. And along with chairs, apart from raising them, you can have reclining chairs, which. Um, allow people to mm-hmm. you know, position more comfortably.
2: And then um, getting dressed is another thing that that is a quite an intricate thing to do. What can you help with there?
3: And I think for people to stay as independent as possible doing that with some very straightforward, simple things like hooks for pulling up zips um, and get little gadgets to undo buttons. Trace is doing the action of how to do those at the same time. <laughs> I can't stop myself. <laughs> Um, dressing sticks to help with pulling on jackets and mm-hmm. things. And you've got um, tight and sock aids okay. that you use to put your tights and socks okay. on yourself.
1: Those all sound really amazing. So you were just in the coffee shop over the way, you were talking, Tracy, about uh, an article you'd seen where they have tried to look at some of the outcomes and link it to well-being for some of the adaptations we've just been talking about.
3: Yes, so this was a study in Sweden by Neva and Scar in 2006, and they had five um, older people um, with their participants, and they filled in questionnaires, two lots of different questionnaires, after having had a housing adaptation, and there were some really interesting results. Um, So these quite small adaptations actually reduce people's time doing their personal activities of daily living. Um, So it gives them more energy. Um, and more time but and also very interestingly they spent more time doing some of their domestic activities in the kitchen because they were doing it on their own and not having it done to them so that was really um, helpful to hear that um, but the things they put in like widening doors and removing thresholds encouraged allowing and allowed people to get outside more so they were, were findings show that people went out more often to see their friends and into town and that which was very interesting to me you know reduced people's um naps in the daytime and increase their sleep so that was really good impact mm. on health and well-being and the general occupational balance and occupational performance you know linking leisure and rest and the importance of activity mm. and well-being I think
1: that's a really really good example
3: yeah
2: good study that's really interesting because I think we can quite often think about these things in isolation, like it's easier to get around the house, it's easy to do the cooking and not necessarily see that wider picture of fostering someone's independence and ability to actually get out of the house and do more even though there are adaptations within. So it's really improving their quality of life in the true sense of it. Yeah, it's really interesting.
1: So for the rest of this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some devices that uh, are useful in and around the home. And then we're going to talk more about the actual home assessment and some of the bits that come on from that.
2: So home security, when we talk about that, we're talking more about how to feel safe and secure um, being at home rather than thinking about kind of police and security and that kind of thing. And there's a wide range of devices that can alert either the person themselves, family or carers if there's a problem. So thinking about whether someone's home and safe, uh, small devices like a watch, for example, that somebody might wear can use GPS to tell someone if they're lost and and alert someone to be able to help find them if they go outside when uh, they may not have intended to. Uh, Intercom systems that can help show someone else, so a family member who's at your door and allow them to let it in. So lots of those work through videos and on on phones and things now. Um, There are gadgets to help turn off electricity and the gas mains if they detect danger automatically. Um, And also reminder systems for medication and things like that.
0: So another thing you might have outside the house is a key safe, which is a small locked box basically that holds a key. And it can mean that carers or family or sometimes the emergency services can get into the home if you can't get to the door. Uh, It's usually fixed to an outdoor wall and opens using a code. And you can get them in various places, online, in shops. Um, They can go from being very cheap to about, you know, from about £20 to over £100. And the more expensive ones work in exactly the same way, but they tend to be a bit stronger a bit heavier. There are sometimes challenges associated with installing a key safe, which some people might be familiar with, Mm -hmm. particularly when trying to plan a patient's discharge from hospital. So for example, who's going to be able to install it? Sometimes Age UK and some councils will organise that for you for a small fee. They quite often have handymen, don't they, that you can hire, but they'll organise it for you so you know they're trusted. And sort of figuring out who has the right to agree to install it, if not the person who's who lives in the property themselves um rented accommodation can sometimes have issues with consent from the landlord and for people who lack capacity to consent to the installation of these key safes um does somebody else have power of attorney to consent to that
1: and then I guess the final little bit in this section is about personal alarms and security alarms uh, which you might call telecare in some device in some sort of loose terms and they can they're devices that can help you if you have a problem at home say you fell over or something and they can be quite basic so quite small user activated devices that just make a, a sound or a noise um, a bit like a pager or a phone or something and you can wear these as a pendant or a wrist or you can have things that are a bit more sophisticated maybe wired into the house so pull cords or Um, those alarms that don't need people to be quite so close. So it might link to an intercom service and the people at the other end of the intercom will talk to you uh, and call uh, either your relatives or uh, the people nearby or the emergency services depending on quite what they ascertain the problem to be whilst they're talking to you Um, and again they can go from being really quite cheap to more expensive
2: and the the which later life care website has got lots of information and we'll put a link to that in the show notes and probably tweet about it as well so you can look at uh, lots of the things that are available there
1: and there are some practical considerations about these wearable things, about is it realistic to wear it? Are people going to wear it? Do the batteries need changing? Is the, um, the user going to be able to do this? Uh, who's going to fit the system initially? How are they going to do that? And then if you've got sensors and movement centers, are there other things or animals in the house that are going to trigger that?
2: You know? I love that because it's not the sort of thing that I would naturally think about, but it's such a sensible thing to think about. Mm like movement centres and things.
3: Yes, yeah. and older people do like their pets.
1: <laughs> so now we'll move on and think about the home assessment, shall we?
3: So, thank you. So if, if someone needs help with everyday tasks or a fear of falling on behalf of them or their family, loved ones, the social services can provide an assess home assessment. It's an OT who'll normally visit the home and they'll interview the client with their family carers. Um, and I make an assessment of the environment. So
1: that's a really good example of healthcare and social care working together, isn't it? That the, the social services then do the referral to the occupational therapists.
2: But quite often, social services have their own OTs, don't they? Yes, yeah, so yeah. it normally would be a social services ah, OT. Okay. Cool. So you can have health OTs and social services OTs. And then you've got the physical health and the mental health OTs. Yeah, because you've got hospital OTs yes. where yeah. you work
3: and yeah, yeah. they can refer to the social services OTs but they make a plan together with the person and their family members uh, where relevant and that's really no good for you know confident um, long-term plans really Um, the assessment normally takes about an hour and um, they're looking even small things not just large things so just small things that your people are struggling with Um, so that can be like you know safety in the kitchen uh, for example, it might be little things like just removing mats or putting down those double-sided stickies to mm. to keep mats secure. The council should pay for each adaptations or a piece of equipment if it's less than a thousand pounds. Then after that, more expensive things they need to look at a disabled facilities grant, which just you, know, you you have to negotiate with the um, financial is, services. Is
1: that something that the, the social worker? And the o t would fill out or apply for it on behalf of the client
3: social workers don't often get involved with it. It's usually the finance chaps okay we' will we'll do we'll do a financial assessment, and they you know quite a lot of scrutiny which can <laughs> unnerve people sometimes. but there is that thousand pounds for the small things, and if you need something that large or if you're looking at a big piece of equipment then Um, near stair lifts can be more than a 1,000. The Home Improvement Agency can help people find a scheme that can help them look at the cost of adaptations. Um, So they'll be signposted towards... Yeah, a lot of signposting and support with that.
1: So there's some quite good evidence that both minor and more major adaptations can improve a whole range of outcomes um, for people living at home uh, later in their life especially if they're done in combination with any repairs that are needed any servicing that's needed and are in line with following that assessment with people's personal goals and there's a a a nice report uh, called aging better that's on their website and we'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes that really sort of makes some recommendations about how to improve later life based on this this body of evidence conclusions of the report draw on some population level data that shows uh the sort of the quite major structural inequalities that exist uh throughout the UK and makes the point that housing and growing older are two things that affect absolutely everyone mm-hmm. and the value of prevention is crucial really not preventing getting old of course but but you know preventing problems as There's you get a whole older.
2: industry trying to do that
3: but yeah yeah
1: in yeah, california yeah
3: they've been talking today actually on the news about longevity mm. Um, different parts of the country and how it's women's longevity is being reduced in areas of deprivation and they're very much focused on housing as one component so that's
2: hot off the press. The gatekeepers to home adaptations uh, are usually really it's occupational therapists isn't it Tracy?
3: It is indeed and the Royal College of Occupational Therapists have um, produced improving lives um, saving money paper and they've given some excellent examples on their websites of how home adaptations can help people improve their lives but there's there's they need to have more evidence
1: Mm, but some of the examples are great though aren't they
3: yes no indeed yeah
1: but it's just the as ever with these things you you know stuff that is great you have to then prove that that, that, that financially it's also great Um, and that's harder to harder to do
2: Yeah, it's more complicated to kind of prove, isn't it? It's not so simple as purchasing something or... Yeah, and everyone's
1: completely individual, so it's not like you can... It's not the easiest thing to do an RCT on because, you know, you, you... Your, an adaptation for one individual person might be very, very different to mm. someone in a similar situation. They might need something completely different, and how you compare one with the other is tricky.
2: There's lots of practitioners and academic researchers who are starting to um, put out calls and proposals to support the development of an evidence base between the links of adapted homes and healthier old age, and I think hopefully we'll see the outcome of that over the coming years um, you know, the real focus and research and how can you evaluate it well, which is a really important thing to do. So next, a bit more about mm. housing.
0: So there is a service called the First Stop Advice Service, which is currently led by the Elderly Accommodation Council. Do you um, want
2: to talk a bit about what it does, Tracy? Yeah. Do you know? So the um, Elderly
3: Accommodation Council, um, they can provide advice, holistic advice, um, covering a range of issues related to older... Um, older people in housing and that includes repairs and maintenance and adaptations and how people can get funding for these. Also how to access home improvement agencies your handy persons, handy men, and any trusted traders, which people would be nervous about. Um, And it will help people explore various housing options, including specialist housing. So it's really helpful.
2: Can anybody access that themselves if they need a referral? Is that like a self-referral? No, they can refer themselves. Great.
3: And
1: often the local charity sectors have good information as well, don't they? Sort of the local Age UK and... um, Other, you know, more specific local charities really often have quite good links into people that can help with the repairs and trusted trader schemes. Mm.
2: And then finally we thought we'd talk about... Uh, A little bit about something that we commonly see and are concerned about with people being at home in their safety which is around falls and being at home so falls at home can quite often be caused by quite trivial hazards um, but can be quite dangerous and cause quite serious health decline in people both physically and mentally Um, and so There's been quite a national and as well as local drives to address falls and accidents in homes and falls services to try and address these. And those should normally include provision of advice of lots of things that we've discussed already, but also accessing some services and things like disabled facilities grants and other ways to access uh, the information and the funds to be able to make the changes that they need at home to make it a safer place to be.
3: And there's some really well... um linked evidence for housing health and well-being and the consequences for this on the NHS so poor quality unadapted accommodation can um, lead to reduced mobility but also depression because I think when people lose their confidence mm-hmm. they get anxious and that can lead to depression but it can impact on chronic and acute illnesses and their you know, social isolation and loneliness mm-hmm. is very sort of topical and Issue at the moment, and that that can be linked to um, poor housing um, mm. and poorly adapted adapted housing.
2: Mm. And it goes back to one of the very early episodes that we did on falls where we looked at intrinsic and extrinsic risk factors for falls and intrinsic being something within that person and extrinsic being looking at their their environment, the way they interact with the world. And so this is where that really comes into the falls risk assessment, doesn't it, and what we can do there.
1: So when you're thinking about the link between housing, health, well-being and the, the costs and things, the Disabled Facilities Grants have a really important role to play in helping make older people's homes accessible, but there are tensions within that, aren't there?
3: I think there's just an issue with DFGs if people are living in privately rented accommodation and increasingly older people are doing that. Mm. And then the landlords have to link with the council about who's going to be responsible for um, payment and when it, when the tenancy ends and how it comes out and if the property is damaged so that has to be a if you're linking up with housing associations then they work very collaboratively but if it's a private landlord mm. it can be more complex
2: okay
1: so that's everything that we wanted to just sketch out really as a, as a, an overview of a
2: bit of an introduction
3: to yeah. the...
1: To home adaptations and equipment that that might be relevant and helpful, there is loads and loads of stuff out there um, and we would direct you uh, via our Twitter stream and via the show notes to um, some good quality resources um, around how to get help for the people that you're working with. but I guess there's an overarching thing go and meet your local occupational therapist if you don't know who they are, go and find out who they are. find out their name, how to refer to them, and you know make a referral if you've not done one before. We, everyone can do that
0: the mdt podcast
1: but now it is time for the md teaser uh, we are going to do our semi-catcherly titled uh, semi-quiz like rundown of the episode and this is a one minute without uh, hesitating, uh, repeating, or anything that's sort of generally not fluent about the episode. So, uh, Tracy, do you want to start? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to try and swoop in at the end. Okay, Alice, you want to start? So this is one minute on housing adaptations and equipment.
0: Can everyone reach the bell?
1: Ready? Let's go.
0: So this week we've been talking about housing adaptations that can be made for older people to help make their lives easier in various ways. These can include larger changes to the house itself, such as ramps and rails, or just putting in equipment to help carry out... <laughs> Hesitation. Hesitation.
2: Caught by Ian. Okay. Okay. We are at 27 minutes, sorry, <laughs> we're at 27 seconds, 0.11, one one. go.
1: So, uh, when thinking about he- age-friendly uh, housing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah hesitated to start with, yeah, awful.
2: 33 seconds, okay. uh, so... Ready, go. During this episode, we have been talking about the home adaptations that one might make to keep their home safe, To keep themselves as independent as possible, to assist carers and family in making sure that their loved one is able to look after themselves at home and remain able to do the things that they want to do as much as possible.
1: Able, twice.
2: Oh my goodness, that is harsh.
1: It's the game.
2: (laughs) We let you off keep twice. Yes. 59 59 points. And I let Alice have and several times, but you know. (laughs) Okay. Ian now has 0.3 seconds to go. I'm here for hesitation. (laughs) Alice tells when you start.
1: Okay. Age friendly housing adaptation.
2: End. (laughs) I feel duped.
1: <laughs> so, comments, questions, thoughts, anything uh, about this episode, please contact us via Twitter.
2: At MDT underscore podcast.
1: Via Facebook.
2: Dot com forward
0: slash MDT podcast. Or via the website. uk. The
2: MDT will reconvene in two weeks' time. Dr.
0: Wilkinson has previously received funding from Astellas and UCB Pharmaceuticals for delivering educational activities. The MDT Podcast is a Hearing Aid Podcast's Big Things Media production. Additional music by Kevin MacLeod. This podcast has been made possible from a technology-enhanced learning grant from Health Education England, spreading education throughout Kent, Surrey and Sussex. For more information, visit thehearingaidpodcasts.org.uk.